Ladies and gentlemen, damas y caballeros, welcome to El Cyber Gigante Podcast. Today, I'll be providing you a story slash description of the NotPetya cyber attack, which occurred only a few years back. I'll talk you through who caused it, what the malware did, and why the malware was released in the first place. Cool. Let's get right into it. It was June 27th of 2017, a nice sunny Tuesday afternoon in Amsterdam. Now, the majority of the population there are most likely at work, right? Being productive. So in essence, they're probably browsing Instagram, playing Among Us while they're in meetings, or watching YouTube videos on their phones, right? Typical productive day at work. Uh, this is not Germany. This is Amsterdam. Remember that. And at this logistics company, a regular Joe employee was working through his spreadsheets when all of a sudden his monitor goes black. Quickly, his mind starts to race. Shoot, did I save that spreadsheet? I've been color coding those entries for hours. Then he notices a person to the left say, man, I hate this computer. It's always crashing on me. And to his right, he hears, what the heck? Did we just have a power outage? My screen just went black. And that's when he noticed everyone across his floor were standing up. Everyone had this confused look on their face. And everyone's computer screen had gone black. Seconds later, red text began to populate everyone's screen with the same message across every single screen. You have been hacked. I have encrypted all the data on your computer. Unless you pay me $300 worth of Bitcoin to this wallet, I will delete the key and your data will be unrecoverable forever. Everyone realizes this is a pretty bad situation. So they call IT and tech support comes rushing up the floor and begins to troubleshoot the issue. His laptop begins to go through the boot sequence when all of a sudden his eyes widen and he starts to stare at his own reflection from his black computer monitor screen. And he begins to read, you have been hacked. I have encrypted all the data on your computer. Unless you pay me $300 worth of Bitcoin to this wallet, I will delete the key and your data will be unrecoverable forever. The tech immediately realizes that the virus is spreading itself through the company's network and he jumps up and yells across the floor, turn off your computers now. And he runs down to the next floor of the building, frantically yelling, everyone shut down your computers now. He races down every single floor of the building, yelling the exact same thing, knowing that every single minute could equal hundreds of corrupted computers. But it was too late. Everyone's laptops were gone. And within two hours, the IT team had to take down the whole global company network and instructed all employees globally to shut down their laptops. After a couple hours, executives made a company announcement. Everyone, just go home. The network has been so deeply corrupted that we're practically helpless. The employees begin to pick up their belongings and head for the exit, anxious and worried, not knowing when they'd be allowed to return to work. At least the productive ones, the ones that are on YouTube, they're probably dancing in the street by now. 
So for the past seven years, Russia and Ukraine have been in this undeclared war. And in 2015 and 2016, Russian military hackers are breaking into dozens of Ukraine's government organizations. But they wouldn't just hack into government orgs. They would break into media outlets, to industrial companies, to tech companies. Essentially, they had no limit on who they would target. And they would destroy petabytes of data. And petabytes is a lot. I mean, just to give you some context, your iPhone has about 100 gigabytes of storage. So a petabyte would be about 1,000 iPhones. And that's just one petabyte. And Russian hackers were destroying petabytes at scale. So, that's, so yeah, this, the situation was pretty bad. In those same years, during the winter times of those same years, the Russians are actually unleashing cyber attacks on Ukraine's power grids. And they're causing power outages and blackouts throughout the country. And this was the very first time anyone had ever seen cyber weapons used to attack our physical world. And that's what that's what's so dangerous about cyber warfare now, that these concepts and ideas of these types of attacks are no longer hypothetical, right? These, these are real threats. Like hackers disabling a dam and flooding a city, that concept is, is absolutely real. That, that is possible, that can happen. Or hackers breaking into an airplane's engine system and causing it to crash, that's completely possible as well. And the more and more we develop these smart enabled components all around us, the larger the risk and the cyber threat becomes. So yeah, it's cybersecurity is pretty important when you start thinking it from that perspective, right? Now, let's get back to the story. A few days earlier, before the malware had even reached Amsterdam, Linkle's group, which is a small family-run tech company in Kiev, Ukraine, was ground zero for the malware. And you can think of Linkle's group as, as being the Ukrainian version of TurboTax or H&R Block, essentially. If you file taxes in Ukraine, it, you practically had to use this software. So when hackers broke into their update servers and unleashed the malware across everyone that was using this software, it basically had infected everyone across Ukraine. <laughs> Talk about a, a single point of failure, right? <laughs> but the primary thing about this malware was that once it actually reached the computer, it would begin, it would begin to propagate itself and spread itself across all the computers on a network within seconds. And I can give you an explanation how it worked, all right? Or a high-level one, right? Say your iPhone gets infected by this malware. Immediately, the malware would start to do a scan across your Wi-Fi network to see what other devices are connected to the Wi-Fi. It would probably find a laptop, maybe or an iPad, maybe some kind of smart TV or smart thermostat, something like that, right? And within seconds, it would send the malware to all of those devices and all the data that's stored on those devices would be completely wiped clean. The device would be infected and be done, be dead. And the malware was so contagious that, you know, within hours of unleashing in Ukraine, banks, hospitals, tech companies all across Ukraine had practically come to a grinding stop. And all of the computers had the same red lettering across their monitors. 
you have been hacked. Within a couple days, the virus began to spread itself across Europe. And a couple days after that, it started to reach the US. Luckily, stateside, we had a couple days before we saw the virus reach our shores um, because we were seeing this basically unfold itself in Europe, right? So you had a little bit of time to take some kind of action against it. But uh, due to the malware's contagious nature, it was essentially propagating itself fairly easy across any type of like industry. I mean, there's hospitals that got brought down, banks that got brought down, ports all across the U.S. Like this was a serious issue. There's actually photos of a grocery store in the U.S. where you can see the red lettering across all the registers. And the employees at the grocery store are just kind of confused, standing around. And the shoppers are just kind of doing the same thing. They're just standing there looking around, hella confused. It's crazy. And even at ports where semi-trucks go and basically pick up containers and pick up cargo and unload cargo, they weren't able to do that. So there would be these long lines of semi-trucks all lined up in front of a port. And the gate would be closed because the terminals weren't working and, and there's nothing they could do. It was essentially all import and export was, was halted for that day. It was pretty crazy. So what made this virus so contagious and how did it work? So at first, everyone thought this was part of the, the WannaCry virus that had only just recurred like a couple months before. And the reason for this was because that virus, WannaCry virus, and this NotPetya virus, they were leveraging the same code or the same tool in order to replicate itself, which was called internal blue. Now, where did internal blue come from? <laughs> well, also a couple months ago, the NSA had been hacked and these hackers basically released online all these NSA cyber attack exploits and tools um, to everyone online. And within a couple months of doing that, these types of attacks started to pop up everywhere. So talk about things backfiring on us, right? <laughs> so the internal blue tool exploits the SMB protocol. And SMB stands for server message block. And its primary function is to provide computers the ability to share files and printers on the same network. And it's primarily used by Microsoft Windows. So basically, your computer will use the SMB protocol in order to send a file to a printer and then have that file be printed, right? Now, let's try to think of this from a hacker's perspective, okay? If you work in an office, everyone needs to have access to a printer, which means most computers in an office will be connected to a printer, right? Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, that's what they were thinking as well. So if one computer gets hacked, right, the exploit can go to the printer that that computer is connected to, look at all the different computers connected to that printer, and begin to hack those. And from there, it just repeats the same process. New computer hacked, check which printer it's connected to, go to printer, find more computers, repeat process. So yeah, as you can tell, it's it's pretty contagious, right? It's, it's recursive. It can quickly extend itself across anyone's network. And 
it's it's so smart. I mean, they leveraged a protocol which primary function is to share files between computers. I mean, it, it's brilliant, right? <laughs> so, so the internal blue code or the tool, that's how the virus was able to spread itself so quickly. But the true intentions of the attack was to destroy a computer's disk, which is essentially to destroy the computer's data. Now, everyone thought at first that this was for sure some kind of ransomware. And ransomwares are basically malware that holds a victim's data hostage until the ransom is paid or some form of money is paid, right, to release that data. Now, NotPetya had that ransom, that ransomware functionality where it would print on people's computer screens those red texts that, you know, in order to unleash that data, you had to pay some type of some, some Bitcoin. But that was... That was just a front, like most barbershops in the hood. Even when people did pay that, that Bitcoin wallet, their, their data was never going to be recoverable. Like the function of the malware was to overwrite large sections of the computer's hard drive and the C volume. And the C volume is, is on the Windows computer is where the operating system lives. And that's basically the brain of the computer. So that's the thing. It's when you when you overwrite the C volume, I mean basic functionality for that computer is not going to work anymore. And when you include overwriting the data volumes as well, it just means that you're pretty much gone. Like everything that's part of that hard drive is now gone. The functionality to the computer no longer works and all the data that you had on the computer is completely gone as well. So, yeah. It, I mean, this virus was pretty bad. So realizing how dangerous this attack was or this virus was, why would anyone want to release this, right? I mean, if the Russians really did it, why wouldn't they just adjust the malware so that it wasn't, you know, so contagious and it wouldn't spread itself across the world? Because it did. It even impacted Russia itself. And... And honestly, that's why everyone thinks it's such a careless attack from the Russians. I don't know. Perhaps it was it was a message being sent from the Russians to everyone saying that if you do business in Ukraine, be prepared to be hacked or attacked as well, right? Or maybe it was like the Russians were trying to destroy evidence of something because large portions of governments all around the world were impacted by this and tons of data was deleted, so... There's another reason as well. We, do, we just don't know why for sure. Now, all of this, all of this could have been prevented. And most future attacks can be prevented as well. If our U.S. intelligence cyber division would take a step back and begin to think defensively instead of offensively. Now, what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. The NSA had been using the SMV vulnerability, the internal blue tool, right? For over five years before it was leaked online in 2017. It's five years. They had known about it for five years and it didn't tell Microsoft about it at all. Once it was finally leaked, that's when they reached out to Microsoft and were like, hey, you know what? You have this vulnerability. A little too late now, right? <laughs> so as you can see, like, 
if our government would just stop developing cyber weapons and instead focus on searching for vulnerabilities, reporting them to software makers, and then validating the fix, we would all be much better off. Thanks everyone for listening. Happy President's Day. I'm out. Peace.